0: Hey guys welcome to the bitcoin fortress podcast helping you increase your financial freedom this is episode 52 recorded here on february 19th 2023 this podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice so as always please do your own homework all right we'll get started this week with the market update and outlook stocks finished mixed friday with the s p 500 concluding its second straight weekly decline as federal reserve officials reinforce the message that interest rates need to rise fed bank of richmond President Thomas Barkin said he favors a quarter-point move to give the central bank flexibility. And Fed Governor Michelle Bowman said the central bank should keep raising rates until there is much more progress on inflation. Former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers and economist Mohammed El-Aryan were among noted market watchers warning an aggressive Fed risks damaging the economy. For the week, The S&P shed 0.3%, the Dow Jones edged 0.1% lower, and the Nasdaq Composite climbed 0.6%. Looking ahead to next week, two retail heavyweights could provide the headlines for the holiday-shortened trading week. Walmart and Home Depot are both due to report Q4 earnings on February 21st, with analysts anticipating solid numbers for the holiday quarter and cautious guidance for the year ahead, while the retail sales report for January was stronger than anticipated the conference call cadence from Walmart and Home Depot on current trends could impact the broad market. Notably, both stocks trailed the S&P 500 index for the early part of the year. On the economic calendar, updates include the latest PMI prints, existing home sales, FOMC minutes, Q4 GDP revision, and the highly anticipated core cpe prices read on inflation the corporate calendar is loaded as the Cagney conference is typically chock full of guidance updates from consumer companies and the Barclays Industrials Conference will include appearances from dozens of airline trucking and logistics companies Williams companies will also hold a key investor event the busy week ahead has seeking alpha contributors buzzing value pendulum predicted an earnings beat for walmart while kavanaugh research cautioned on the ai hype of nvidia ahead of the chipmaker's report meanwhile jonathan weber posted a preview on what to watch with lucid group's earnings report all right moving into bitcoin news for the week um So this first article here is uh, from Yahoo Finance, uh, and this is dated February 17th, and I guess this is a cautionary tale, uh, not only for shilling, but also for shilling crypto scams, and the article is entitled here, NBA star Paul Pierce settles with SEC over crypto fraud charges. Federal Securities regulators on Friday charged ex-NBA player Paul Pierce with violating anti-fraud and anti-touting rules by promoting a cryptocurrency on his social media account without disclosing that he was paid to do so. Pierce earned more than $244,000 in Emacs to push the Ethereum Max tokens on his Twitter account. Investigators at the United States Securities and Exchange Commission said, Pierce misled the public about the digital token's investment performance when he tweeted an image of an account holding large profits, even though his own personal portfolio wasn't doing as well, the SEC said. Pierce agreed to settle the charges by paying $1.4 million in penalties, disgorgement, and interest without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, the Commission said. Pierce also agreed not to tout any crypto assets for three years. A representative for Pierce did not immediately respond to a request for comment Friday. Pierce is an NBA Hall of Famer from California who played 19 seasons, mostly with the Boston Celtics. At issue is a tweet he posted in May 2021 after being fired from ESPN at espn i don't need you i got ethereum max i made more money with this crypto in the past month than i did with y'all in a year truth shall set you free my own boss check it out for yourself hmm. intense scrutiny from feds the crypto industry has been under intense scrutiny from financial regulators in recent months uh, ever since investors started losing billions of dollars worth of assets and scams or account hacks the glare grew even hotter last November when FTX Trading declared bankruptcy after experiencing crypto's version of a bank run. In the wake of FTX's collapse, lawmakers in Washington have renewed their calls to regulate the industry. To be clear, Pierce isn't the first celebrity personality to promote crypto and eventually pay a fine for it. Kim Kardashian in October agreed to pay $1.26 million in a similar settlement with the SEC linked to the same Emacs cryptocurrency. Like Pierce, she also agreed not to promote crypto for three years. Other high-profile figures to publicly back various digital coins include Matt Damon, Paris Hilton, Jamie Foxx, Ashton Kutcher, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Dennis Cole, better known as Ghostface killer of the Wu-Tang Clan. Tom Brady and Larry David, among those accused of defrauding investors in FTX collapse, uh, collapse Warriors, Stephen Curry... Selena Williams among celebrities named in board Ape Yacht Club NFT lawsuit LeBron James teams with crypto.com to teach kids about blockchain (laughs) this case is yet another reminder to celebrities the law requires you to disclose to the public from whom and how much you're getting paid to promote investment in securities and you can't lie to investors when you tout a security SEC chair Gary Gensler said in a statement when celebrities endorse investment opportunities including Crypto asset securities, investors should be careful to research if investments are right for them and they should know why celebrities are making those endorsements. Pierce, Kardashian and boxer Floyd Mayweather were also named as co-defendants last year in a class action lawsuit, crypto investors filed against Ethereum Max. In 2018, Mayweather and music producer DJ Khaled settled with the SEC over cryptocurrency promotions. Uh, so, again, the lesson here is don't shill scams. Okay, moving on. The uh, next article here from Bitcoin Magazine. This was posted February 16th, titled Wyoming Legislature Passes Bill Protecting Bitcoin Private Keys from Courts goes on to say the U.S. state of Wyoming has passed a bill that protects its citizens from having to disclose their private keys, with a singular exception. Having now been approved by the state, senate, and house of representatives, it now simply needs to be signed by the governor to take effect. The bill states, no person shall be compelled to produce a private key or make a private key known to any other person in any civil, criminal, administrative, legislative, or other proceeding in the state. That relates to a digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right to which the private key provides access unless a public key is unavailable or unable to disclose the requisite information with respect to the digital asset, digital identity, or other interest or right. It does not specify that it would be only for bitcoin keys so it would apply the same to private keys utilized as decentralized identities or any other use cases. Wyoming has been the center of attention in regards to Bitcoin adoption in the US for some time, partially because of Senator Cynthia Lummis's ardent support of Bitcoin and push for regulation within the country. Christopher Allen, internet cryptography pioneer and executive director of Blockchain Commons, who previously wrote for Bitcoin Magazine in regards to the importance of protecting private key sovereignty, described why Wyoming has been a groundbreaking state for this type of legislation. Wyoming has a long tradition of good fences make for good neighbors, and as a small state, it has a true citizen legislature. They resonate well with the concept of self-sovereignty in Bitcoin and digital identity, Alan told Bitcoin Magazine. If approved by the governor, the bill would take effect for on July 1st, 2023. And so uh, bravo for Wyoming for taking the lead here in a, a very important uh, thing, because that the worst thing would be for your private key to be published in a, a court document and available um, to everybody. Okay, the next article is from the Crypto Slate. Uh, this was posted on February 18th titled the SEC versus Paxos, a deep dive into the implications of the lawsuit and its effect on stablecoins. So there's quite a bit of chatter about the SEC uh, um, taking uh, actions against various uh, crypto uh, companies. Uh, The most recent one here is uh against paxos they asked them to stop minting uh binance or busd or binance coin which actually is i guess they light it's licensed by binance so it's not actually binance um but um, uh, they are basically now cracking down i guess on uh, stable coins and of course this also gets people interested because at the same time Governments all over the world including, you know, the Fed are looking into uh, CBDCs or centralized um, uh, Digital currencies central bank digital currencies and so uh, You know the concern is that uh, they'll either Co-op these or regulate them out of existence and all you're really going to be able to use is CBDCs and and we've talked about this more in in the past in this podcast that um, that's not something that we want because, uh, central bank digital currencies, um, allow the government to basically see everything that you're doing and, uh, they can also uh, be programmed to, uh, not purchase, not be able to purchase things or that you have to spend it, uh, or it goes away. Um, and it's just, a you know, uh, way too much surveillance, um, and in fact uh you know this week in uh nigeria there was there's been a lot of protests because that government is trying to eliminate paper currency uh and push the public to use uh central bank digital currency and they uh i think in just one fell swoop outlawed the use of paper currency which caused riots and people are very unhappy because they can't they have paper currency and they can't use it And and leading up to that, they couldn't even get their paper currency out of the out of the ATMs. So, um, uh, but uh, Nigeria already has a a lot of people uh, in in digital assets, Bitcoin, um, stable coins, and uh, other crypto assets. So the only only downside to that is a lot of a lot of those things are scams. But um, for the folks that are holding um, Bitcoin or stable coins they're probably better off than uh, people who are just holding a pile of paper currency that's now worthless so again a lot of implications here uh because i think stable coins tend to be and bitcoin tend to be very helpful for people living in authoritarian um situations so anyway uh diving right into the article here On February 13th, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission Enforcement Division issued a Wells Notice to Paxos ordering the company to stop minting the Binance USD stablecoin. The notice followed an SEC investigation into Paxos and its relationship with Binance, whose whose stablecoin it issued, which concluded that the company violated securities laws. However, a Wells Notice doesn't necessarily mean that the SEC will take enforcement action against Paxos For the SEC to pursue this matter further, its five commissioners must vote to authorize any enforcement, litigation, or settlement. According to the notice, the Department of Financial Services ordered Paxos to stop minting BOSD due to several unresolved issues related to Paxos' oversight of its relationship with Binance. There were no further explanations of these issues. The CEO of Binance, Peng Zhao, said he was only aware of the enforcement action through the media. Paxos is expected to submit a response to the Wells notice and present its case as to why it should not be sued. Um, In the meantime, the company must stop minting new BUSD and enable all customers to redeem their BUSD for U.S. dollars. Paxos has maintained that it has and always will back all BUSD tokens one-to-one with U.S. dollar-denominated reserves. These dollar-denominated reserves, however, are far from the norm. Paxos' unaudited BUSD holdings report shows that the stable coin is backed mainly by long-term maturity assets. On February 10th, the company's report showed 16.14 billion outstanding BUSD tokens and an equal or higher balance of assets held in custody. Just under 3.1 billion is held in short-term U.S. Treasury debt, which will mature by mid-April 2023. On February tenth, twelve and a half billion of PAXOS, sixteen point four billion BUSD reserves were held in U.S. Treasury reverse repurchase agreements. Only two repurchase agreements mature in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. The rest of the twelve and a half billion have maturity dates ranging from twenty twenty six to twenty fifty two. The scrutiny over BUSD caused unprecedented FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the market. This was evident in the massive outflows of stable coins from exchanges. Since february thirteenth, over one billion dollars worth of various stable coins left the Ethereum network. The majority of this loss can be attributed to BUSD, which saw the total number of outstanding tokens decrease by around seven hundred thousand between february tenth and february fourteenth. This is the fifth largest outflow of stablecoins on Ethereum in the past two years, and while the $271 billion in outflows recorded in February 16th are a fraction of the $830 billion recorded on December 13th, it still shows the impact the SEC's probe into Paxos has on the market. Being the third largest stablecoin by market cap, any changes in volume BUSD experiences are bound to impact the rest of the stablecoin sector profoundly. The coin has decreased its dominance from 17%, recorded in November 2022, to 12% on February 14th. Same goes for the top-ranked stablecoins USDC and DAI, both of which have seen decreased market dominance since the beginning of the year. A reverse trend can be observed in USDT. Tether's stablecoin has seen its dominance increase since November 2022, surpassing 53% on February 15th, 2023. Which is kind of interesting because Tether has probably the most fud associated with it in that you know their coins not backed by anything and it's you know, it's a Ponzi and it's you know being used to prop up the price of Bitcoin and and so on and so forth. So it's kind of interesting that the market is um, moving more towards tether. Uh, Moving on, Changpeng Zhao, the CEO of Binance, said that the SEC's order to Paxos will cause BUSD's market cap to decrease over time. While Paxos will continue to service the product, the market expects the redemptions will continue to deplete BUSD's supply even further until a decision from the SEC is made. Until then, we could see USDT's market cap and sector dominance increase even further. The largest stablecoin by market cap, USDT, has already seen a notable inflow since SEC's probe into Paxos. Tether's stablecoin saw a significant increase in liquidity on Binance last September when the exchange delisted USDC, USDP, and TUSD denominated pairs from the platform. The move aimed to improve price discovery and the overall liquidity on the exchange. However, many saw it as Binance's attempt at achieving vertical integration as most of its trading pairs and the most liquid ones were tied to BUSD. The share of BUSD pairs on Binance has been growing steadily since its launch in late 2019, but has seen notable increases since the exchange delisted USDC, USDP, and TUSD. As BUSD's market cap declines, we can expect the share of BUSD pairs on the exchange to drop even further. And while there hasn't been a notable increase in the share of USDT pairs on the exchange, there's a chance it could increase by the end of the quarter. And just so you know, a lot of people use stable coins as a temporary holding uh, tank uh, while they're trading cryptocurrencies. So um, it's really for liquidity. And... um, and dollar stable coins do have a use case, uh, certainly in, in the uh, global south, um, since many people can't get their hands on dollars, it's the easiest way for them to hold dollars. And so it's, you know, anything that undermines the uh, ecosystem of uh, stable coins is probably doesn't really affect people in the Western world all that much. Um, but it certainly probably has a disproportionate impact on on folks living in authoritarian Uh, Regimes and the like Uh, Okay, so moving on the SEC's enforcement action against Paxos is said to have a negative effect on Binance The SEC's notice cited Paxos relationship with the exchange as the reason behind the enforcement and While Binance isn't based in the US and thus isn't subject to US regulation targeting BUSD has certainly shaken the market's confidence in the exchange Since it witnessed historical withdrawals in November 2022 following the FTX collapse, Binance has been under heavy scrutiny. In January this year, the exchange acknowledged it failed to maintain the reserves of Binance Peg BUSD, a stablecoin it issues on other blockchains whose value is pegged to the Paxos-issued BUSD on Ethereum. Data compiled by blockchain analytics company Chain Argos and analyzed by Bloomberg showed that the Binance PEG BUSD was frequently under-collateralized between 2020 and 2021. On three separate occasions, the gap between BUSD reserves held by Binance and the supply of Binance PEG BUSD surpassed $1 billion. The exchange has acknowledged its past troubles in maintaining the reserve for Binance PEG BUSD and said it has since improved the process with enhanced discrepancy checks to ensure the token is backed one-to-one with BUSD. <clears throat> Binance's native token, BNB, hasn't been immune to the Paxos news. The token saw its price drop by over 11% in less than 24 hours as investors mold over the prospect of increased regulatory scrutiny into Binance. However, the slip in confidence seems to have been short-lived. SBNB regained most of its losses on February 16th, jumping by over 9% since the February 13th news. So then they wrap it up by saying the full effects of the SEC's probe into Paxos are yet to be felt. If the SEC decides to take enforcement action against Paxos and take it to court over securities laws violations, the market could enter into a period of unprecedented volatility. <clears throat> Many analysts have argued that BUSD doesn't pass the Howey test, a set of criteria set by the SEC to determine whether an asset classifies as a security. If the commission continues to pursue the matter in court, it could set a precedent for the rest of the crypto industry and threaten all other major stablecoin issuers increased regulatory uncertainty could destabilize the market which has just begun a slow recovery from the collapse of ftx it could also drastically change the crypto landscape in the us as many companies could seek to sell their set their roots in a more regulatory friendly environment so very interesting piece here uh, wouldn't be a weekly update without uh, the latest thoughts from Robert Kiyosaki here. He warns about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and says Bitcoin is best for unstable times. Uh, this article was posted on um, today on Bitcoin.com. And again, I'll put links to all the articles in the show notes so you can read it for yourself. Um. The author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, gave some more investment advice this week. Uh, He tweeted on Friday, for years I've been saying saving money and investing in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs is risky advice. Today, very risky advice. I still believe gold, silver, Bitcoin, best for unstable times, although prices will go up and down. The famous author previously said, I do not love stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or ETFs. However, he said that investors should invest in what they love. In April last year, he said bonds are the riskiest investment in a global meltdown. Tragically, rookie investors follow rookie advice of 60 stocks, 40 bonds mix, he opined, recommending investors buy gold and silver and Bitcoin as insurance against morons running the world. He also said in July last year, I do not touch paper gold or silver ETFs. I only want real gold or silver coins. As for mutual funds, Kiyosaki has said for several years, I just don't like mutual funds. I think they're a ripoff. He explained in 2019, financial planners are henchmen for banks and mutual funds. They sell you their products, take your money, charge you fees, and use your money to get richer. Many people on Twitter disagreed with Kiyosaki, telling him that a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs is a lot less risky than investing in gold, silver, and bitcoin. Some accused the famous author of pumping BTC for his personal gain. Kiyosaki has been recommending gold, silver, and bitcoin for quite some time. He said last December that owners of the three investments will get richer when the Federal Reserve pivots and prints trillions of dollars. He predicted that by 2025 gold will be at five thousand dollars silver at five hundred dollars and bitcoin at five hundred thousand dollars in addition he expects gold to soar to thirty eight hundred dollars and silver to rise to seventy five dollars this year kiyosaki previously explained that he is a bitcoin investor not a trader so he gets excited whenever bitcoin hits a new bottom Moreover, the renowned author has repeatedly said that he does not trust the Biden administration, the Treasury Department, the Federal Reserve, or Wall Street. He has warned many times that the Fed is destroying the economy and the US dollar. In October 2021, he tweeted, I love Bitcoin because I do not trust the Fed, Treasury, or Wall Street. The Rich Dad Poor Dad author recently cautioned that everything will crash and a depression is possible. In January, he said we are in a global recession, warning of soaring bankruptcies, unemployment, and homelessness. And uh, uh, while he's on the darker side of dark, I would say uh, he makes a lot of really good points here, especially about the uh, mutual funds. I mean, they're they're it really most of it is garbage, and it's just rent seeking, and you know, um, I think people can make up their own minds about what they want to invest in. And, and I've even talked about this before that you shouldn't even be forced into having to speculate. It's um, just so you can have a retirement. You know, why can't you just work hard and save your money and know that it'll buy the same amount of stuff, you know, when you retire as you buy today, but that doesn't happen because of inflation. And then that forces you to become an investor and you know you're you're hopelessly outgunned by the wall street and hedge funds and all those other folks so i think that's why um i you know like bitcoin because you can just save in that and uh you know you're going to probably be okay um anyway moving on uh so this next one is also from bitcoin.com this was updated uh looks like yesterday uh title is government Let's see, custodia, custodia CEO slams US government <clears throat> over broad crackdown, lack of regulatory clarity in crypto industry. Executives of digital currency and blockchain companies are displeased with the U.S. government's crackdowns and lack of regulatory clarity. Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, has called on Congress to pass clear legislation on cryptocurrencies, and Jesse Powell, CEO of Kraken, has echoed that message. On February 17th, Caitlin Long, CEO of Custodia, published a blog post explaining that she had given evidence to authorities about a crypto fraud case months before the company collapsed, leaving its millions of customers with losses. In her blog post, titled Shame on Washington, D.C. for Shooting the Messenger Who Warned of Crypto Debacle, Long argues that the current enforcement actions are a misguided crackdown on the entire industry. Calls for a crackdown today are coming from many of the same policymakers who were charmed by the fraudsters, Long wrote. It is well known that senior members of the U.S. United States Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, the White House, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission met with Sam Bankman-Fried and high-ranking FTX officials. Additionally, an estimated one in three members of Congress received a direct contribution from SBF and his inner circle. In a 180-degree turn, policymakers are now throwing the baby out with the bathwater, Long wrote in her blog post. The custodial CEO also mentioned that government officials likened her crypto bank's operation to FTX's misconduct and collapse, uh, resulting in an ambush on the crypto industry by officials. Custodia Bank recently found itself in the crosshairs of Beltway politics at their worst, long stressed. Custodia was simultaneously attacked by the White House, the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, the Kansas City Fed, and Senator Dick Durbin, who conflated our non-leveraged, 100% liquid and solvent bank with an FTX in a Senate floor speech, in which he attacked two companies run by female CEOs, Fidelity and Custodia, implicitly comparing us to a 29-year-old accused fraudster who's now wearing an ankle bracelet. The the Custodia CEO added, Custodia tried to become federally regulated, the very result bipartisan policymakers claim to want, yet Custodia has been denied and is now disparaged for daring to come through the front door. After Long published her blog post about the situation, Jesse Powell, CEO of Kraken, responded to her Twitter thread on the subject, I can't tell you how infuriating it is to have pointed out massive red flags and obviously illegal activity to regulators only to have them ignore the issues for years. Powell tweeted, they're offshore, it's complicated, we're looking at everybody for years then to be used as their example. The complaints from Long, Armstrong, and Powell come after the SEC's enforcement action against Terraform Labs and CEO Do Kwan nine months after the entire Terra ecosystem collapsed. And good luck in finding him, because nobody knows where he is. The U.S. securities regulator was criticized for being late to the game, and many believe the SEC is simply throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what will stick. And uh, it's true. Uh, It's it's sad in a way that... uh, you know, uh, uh, the government, the regulators keep talking about, come talk to us, come, you know, we want, you know, work with us, this and that. And then when you follow the process and then get declined, it's, uh, it's hypocrisy, really. Okay. And then uh, finishing up here, uh, I found a really interesting opinion uh, piece uh, in Bitcoin Magazine. This was published back on February 16th uh, on Noster, which is a new social media network uh, that I've joined and a lot of Bitcoiners have also joined. Um, and uh, it's basically works similar to Bitcoin in that there's a public private key. And so you keep your private key private, obviously, and you share your public key and that um, allows people to follow you. Uh, it's totally decentralized, so it's not like Twitter, um, basically messages are transferred around um, on relays, different relays, and um, uh, some are free, some you have to pay for, um, but uh, there's there's enough free ones that you can pretty much follow the people that you want to follow. And so um, it's very interesting in that it's uncensorable. Um, and, uh, and also has in it integrated um, Lightning payments, so literally you can post content, and if people like what you posted, they can send you a tip through Lightning, um, or you can post a Lightning invoice, and some people can pay it. And so you know, it combines the ability to communicate in a decentralized way with decentralized payments, which um, really has some some incredible. Um, potential so uh, We'll see what this piece says about that Uh, So this is an opinion editorial by Stephanie Satz, gotta love the last name, a member of youtube's bitcoin book club and Co-founder of a crypto newsletter designed for new users Despite the rapid rise of bitcoin focused conversation happening there nostr is not a social medium nostr is a social serving open protocol intended for liberated speech and communication the main point of distinction here comes down to this tool's indifference at least compared to many popular social platforms though the tech is fundamentally different from bitcoin more on this later there's a key overlap nostr doesn't care who you are whether you follow a set agenda or how often you'll feed an algorithm with attention Noster acts more like aspiring, decentralized tech that may incentivize truth with the help of Bitcoin. Censorship is used to govern and mediate many social media platforms and services. The guardrails in place may feel arbitrary to consumers, prescribing a set of rules that differ from a user's core values. Incentives are driven by the dollar, by companies run by fiat currency, whether it's issued by government, and therefore inextricably tied to it. There's increasing weariness of the algorithms aligned with monetary incentives as well as the entities running them that own so much of our information. It's easy for users to lose trust in advertisers and influencers alike as their motives fuel the platform but remain unclear. I believe this comes down to the role of the user. We're not always part of the collective that's building it, and when we do contribute, we may not be profiting fairly, if at all. On traditional social platforms, users who aren't bothered by censorship may still feel overwhelmed by bots and spam. Others may flock to social platforms for gaming and community support, only to dodge and sift through scam messages. Algorithms are so in sync with our behavior and thought patterns that it's becoming increasingly difficult to separate the product from the consumer. We saw these sentiments unfold over the past year with Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and how divisive that was. We've seen it in Kickback after Meta's rebrand. Social media can be scary or divisive at best. But despite all of this, we still use it. So for connection, growth and building, where should we go? Of course, there are quality encrypted communication platforms which offer more shielded, secure interactions. But I wouldn't define these as social networks either. They often function as vehicles for private, secure communication instead of shared spaces. First, let's unpack this a bit and explain what Nostr is and is not, because to think it solves all the problems of traditional social media may be somewhat naïve. Nostr is for developers. It's an open source project for builders that serves as a broadcast platform and content hub aggregate. From the architecture alone, we can start to differentiate it from Twitter or any other existing platform this protocol is newly actively developed, so while it tugs at the root of topics like free speech and privacy, the tech itself is in its nascent stages. Noster aims to decentralize private communications and data while allowing us to interact in new ways. For all of those reasons, we should learn about it, perhaps in the same way most of us should have learned about Meta products before dishing out our credentials. With Noster, Data is stored on relays. Anyone can run their own relay, which acts like a personal server or channel. Users can be in charge of their own relays and run them with very little cost up front, but more on monetization later. Users can kick people off their relays, but there are various relays that individuals can join. If a relay owner doesn't want to host a person's messages, that user can simply move to another one. This is a key differentiator from censorship on Twitter or Meta, where posts and accounts can be removed or frozen for not conforming to the platform's centrally operated rulebook. Any user can build their own client, which is the program or application that hosts messages and information. Clients can be used to access the internet and broadcast posts or facilitate communication with the help of public and private keys. Nostr uses cryptographic signatures to keep communications secure. Public and private key pairs are used to encrypt and send data. Similar to Bitcoin, the Nostr code functions as a protocol. Yet it's important to point out that Nostr is not a type of blockchain technology. There's overlap. These innovations use some similar tools to accomplish different things. Nostr was made so builders can connect with the people they want to and broadcast information, but it's not the same as a globally connected blockchain-based network like Bitcoin. Where all nodes have to agree or come to a consensus. That can work great for something that functions as a currency, but consensus does not have as much of a use in Noster's social aspects. They simply use cryptography in different ways. Noster technology is modeled after a lot of social platforms in terms of what they're used for, broadcasting information or sentiment to others in community forums or one-off messages, direct communication, and self-expression. Because it is decentralized, NOSTER is more censorship resistant because it's not controlled by one entity, group, or company. NOSTER can be used for sharing all types of content, ideas, direct messages, blogs, newsletters, or even some games. You can think of the NOSTER protocol as a language for computers to communicate with one another. Instead of a post or event going live via one central server, it's sent to a specific indicated server and other servers can pull the information from there. Nostr uses queries to store data, and that data is in a JSON format similar to the social media we know today. But instead of a central server structure like Instagram or Twitter, Nostr is open source and allows for users to choose how and where data is used. With Nostr you can use your key to connect to or run a public relay to broadcast information or to focus on smaller, more private communications. There are options, and the main point here is that a lot of these options are in the builder's hands. Using Nostr doesn't take up lots of storage for data either. There's content tags and key storage. Nostr is accessible because excessive storage isn't needed depending on your goal. Although this might all sound uh, kind of complex because there are new terms and a lot to learn about the protocol, the technology itself is simple and simpler technologies tend to be easier to scale. Noster could grow fast and there are lots of use cases. Because this tech adopts a simpler structure, the look and feel differs from social media that tends to automate experience. Engaging Twitter or Instagram involves a transaction of personal information for a smooth, unified, yet prescribed app interface and user experience journey. My personal experience using Nostr as a newbie helped further confirm just how different this tech is from any social media I've used. There are trade-offs. I felt more self-reliant in using my keys to initiate setup, and less concern about data management or corporate greed. On the flip side, the UX as a whole felt unfussy but graceless, a refreshingly no-frills approach to social exchanges. I don't view this as positive or negative per se, but I think some users will have a learning curve, or at the very least, an adjustment from highly managed and moderated platforms. There's no NOST or website or customer service to guide them along. It's grassroots and its reach. (coughs) This could certainly be a plus for the Bitcoin community, which thrives on mutual education and reciprocity. The lack of bells and whistles eliminates trust and suggests developments on the individual and community levels. The Nostra community is fledgling, which provides ample opportunity for growth and renewed personal social strategy. There's also lots of exploring that a creator needs to initiate, since there's a wide range of relays and clients available. Fewer guideposts can lead to confusion for some, but the trade-offs are freedom of choice and self-directed learning. As for privacy, users don't have to give a set of personal identifiers in order to set up an account. This is of course a major differentiator for platforms that store, sell, track, and centralize your data for corporate profit or control. People are hopeful that NOSTER will allow for free speech, resistance, uh, censorship communication and rich community building, which goes hand in hand with the Bitcoin ethos. Not only this, but there could be a monetary component built in parallel to Nostr that's radically different from how other social networks behave in popular culture today, especially when it comes to centralized algorithms and incentives. Since clients can filter material by choice, they may create all sorts of different algorithms to do this. There's potential for monetization of one's hosted relay by charging fees via the Lightning Network, an especially exciting prospect for many Bitcoiners. Over time we may see things like Fedimints incorporated in Noster monetization practices as well. This self driven monetization structure can have major implications on bots, spam, and bad actors in general, both on the user level and protocol level. In the way that Bitcoin's protocol discourages bad actors by nature of its very code, NOSTER developers are actively working to bake security and honest action into its technology. For example, some builders are looking into implementing costs assigned to relays as a paid model that incentivizes honesty and reliability via proof-of-work models, In this potential design, for someone to send messages, they would have to post collateral in order to do so. This way, if there's a bad actor, the reward could potentially be retracted as a consequence. Combined, this would allow for a type of social network that focuses more on building instead of censorship or centralized incentive structures. Bitcoiner values such as sovereignty, privacy and decentralization and Noster's potential monetization structure work hand in hand. And this is why so many Bitcoin hopefuls are actively setting up their own nodes and planning ways to incorporate NOSTER into their careers or lifestyles. NOSTER speaks to the decentralized communication need that Bitcoin could likely never support on its own, even with layer 2 scaling since blockchain technology functions best as proof of work cryptocurrency. Reciprocally, Bitcoin solves the monetary pitfalls that most social media inherits. Media is material that anyone can share, and it should be up to individuals and communities to regulate materials. For Bitcoiners, this boils down to a recurring conversation around decentralization. Individuals may find themselves abandoning certain familiarities, like regulations or convenience, in order to flourish on the decentralized end of the spectrum. When it comes to social media and communication, it's up to the individual where to draw that line. Some feel safer relying on a nucleus of control calling the shots, whereas Bitcoiners crave full autonomy despite the fact that they now hold more of the responsibility. Noster is a new innovation and there's a lot to learn. There are aspects you might want to consider about this tech while doing your research and making your own decisions. The Noster is not surveilled by any one authority or watchdog. Users may need to do more due diligence as they grow comfortable in accepting that responsibility. The Noster protocol provides a stark, Simple contrast to the high levels of censorship and guardrails that we're used to seeing, which is what makes it an entirely separate entity from social media as we know it. So, really nice article, a great um, overview of, of what Nostr is and also um, how it sort of complements Bitcoin, and how Bitcoin uh, sort of complements Nostr. <laughs> so, um, I would uh, definitely check it out. Um, there's an app called damas that i downloaded uh, and it's and uh, there's lots of people on there that can help you set set everything up and um, anyway give it a try okay well thanks for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed the show please like and leave a comment also don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode You can also follow my substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. Check it out this week. I posted my monthly portfolio update, and I will um, include a link to that in the show notes. Um, And um, uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.